0: Hello, this is Evan with Which Game First? A board game podcast, and I am joined by some very, very special guests today. These are the team behind Cryptic Nature, which is a Kickstarter board game that's gonna be coming out soon, later this year, from what I understand. And we're joined by Alex, Tatiana, and Christian, who each have roles in having put this game together. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Hello, Evan, thank you for having us. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Alex uh, Kreis, right? I would like to start with you as you are one of the main authors of the game. Um, right. Could, so, could you introduce yourself?
2: Yes, I'm Alexander Kreis. Uh, we are located where a board and puzzles company in Germany. And I am also running this company and also. And uh, creator of the different games or co-creator of different games. And uh, yes, so for this particular game, uh, we have three co-creators. Uh, it started, uh, so it's uh, Georgi shogol uh, who actually super fascinated about uh, cryptids person. He always like, I'm, I'm also like creatures, but he's like a fascinated person about mm-hmm. this. I came with an idea to, uh, you know, to to make a game uh, finding or actually exploring cryptids around the globe, and we just started to start with Europe as we're Europe located. Of course, like we're thinking about the US as well. We have a Meleshin who was uh, created the best mechanic for this. This the beginning of the mechanics, and I participated in all these elements together. So some of mechanics as well, uh, and at the very early stages of the game creation. Uh, so we worked together around, I would say, first half a year, creating a base mechanic for this game.
0: Excellent. Um, Tatiana, you're the product manager for, uh, for Cryptic
1: Nature? Right product manager for adventure and I would just say my role is to get on everybody's nerves to make things perfect if that sounds as a good role Uh, so uh, probably that's why uh, I'm also responsible for the uh, for the Kickstarter page and how it all works together Uh, I'm giving tasks to the designers and artists to you know have a whole picture of the product where everything makes sense and everything is logical and and that everything sends the right message to the customer because there is there is a uh, something we want to call it something more behind just being a game about cryptids because here we put emphasis on uh, saving the cryptids uh, as if they really were part of the big ecosystem of nature and how we can just all coexist and uh, wonder and uh, be amazed by the beauty of these creatures and. Just, you know, every every creature which might seem uh, hazardous at the first sight is also part of uh, our big family. So I'm responsible for sending the right message. I hope we managed to do this this time.
0: Nice. Very nice um christian christian schmitz uh you were one of the lead testers is that correct uh
3: yes of course um i was in lead of the uh testing in general so i made sure that our first ideas found their ways into the public and we could see that everybody agrees with the things that we included into the game and if it was Mm -hmm. fun and everything and i mean cryptids it's just an awesome topic, so I was really excited about doing so because it's like these, this this awesome thing. I also come from a psychological background; I studied it, and it's like really nice to see how like things, like stories from the olden age, uh, make their way into like uh, modern society in form of these forms of stories about cryptic creatures that crawl around. So, yeah, I was hooked from the start. I was very happy to do so. It was a lot of fun, and yeah, today. I hope I can share a little bit of what I experienced there.
0: That's excellent. And we're using the word uh, cryptic and cryptid a lot here in the beginning. There might be a few people out there who are not necessarily familiar with that term. Would anyone like to define for the audience what is a cryptid? And in and, and, and hand in hand, what are cryptozoologists?
1: Okay, who's going on that one?
0: You, Tanya, you are... Uh...
1: Me? Okay, yes, so just in a, a broader in a broader sense, cryptids are you know creatures, mystical creatures that are mentioned in some folklore sources or uh, maybe newspaper articles. So they kind of di- don't exist, but people saw them. So mm-hmm. there, there is a differentiation indeed in cryptozoology. Is we uh, we know uh, we discuss this. this is a science or an alternative science. So, there is a strong uh, and uh, a strict classification whether this or that creature can be considered to be a cre- cryptid. Yeah, so for example, you wouldn't call mythology a creatures cryptids, uh, mm-hmm. or you wouldn't also call an elf a cryptid because it can think. It's more like a human like creature. So, um, we don't really put focus on that in our game because it's just important for people to have a general idea what a cryptid is. For example, we have this crocodile It's a uh, as part of this base game. It's a just a crocodile who lost his way and now li- lives in the north. So it's not something unusual in terms of the creature, but it's very unusual in terms of the habitat. Yeah, so just in a broader sense, cryptids are uh, just unusual creatures. That might or might not exist.
0: One of the most famous examples, I think, of a cryptid would be the Loch Ness monster. That's probably the one, perhaps, most people might be familiar with
1: around. Exactly, around the world. or Nessie. <laughs> or- Nessie. <laughs> yes, we're proud so- to have this cryptid in Europe because most of the fun cryptids are somehow located in the USA. But there are some, <laughs> there are some highlights here, <laughs> in our and continent.
0: And the board game itself is based in on a Europe map, right. and therefore the the cryptids that the players will experience are Europe uh, based cryptids. Is that correct? Yes, that's that's correct.
2: So we started with Europe, and we when we started to you know to, to have a deep dive into the scene, I, I, first of all, was fascinated how many books are. On, exist on a topic. I, I don't know there is not a dozen, I would say hundred mm-hmm. books and the uh, people and uh, there's the researchers who are following this topic. This is very interesting to see like how many people for since hundred years already dealing with this uh, and investigating this story. So and we are focusing currently on Europe. We had, you know, we have always were discussing what is like better to start. It starts with Europe or, or US, mm-hmm. because US have very famous cryptids, uh, like which are reflected in movies and books and so on.
1: Bigfoot, for example. Yeah,
2: but we still wanted to go to Europe first because, first of all, that's where we live. And these are the, actually creatures or tales which are actually kind of around us or happened around us or being recorded around us. And yes, if if we definitely plan to have. Yeah, you know, to try to go to US as well if people will like what we have done now. So it's definitely a target. And an important point was really to get people familiar with these cryptids, with the stories, and at least understand what kind of creature it is and what is behind it. And and so I can... maybe, sorry, maybe
1: we should just add a little bit because we discussed the definition of cryptid, and here we were not like super strict just to you know, to show the beautiful world of uh, of mystical creatures. But we were really particular about uh, placing the cryptids on the map where they really are said to live, right? So if the cryptids come come from some Slavic countries, then it will be there on the map. So uh, we were pretty uh, strict and uh, consistent in, uh, you know, like following the folklore and not just inventing uh, things where they shouldn't be
3: some are even bound to specific cities
1: exactly yes
0: yeah no and i i think that's good that's that's actually important um if you are in fact trying to drive home the sort of the overall story about cryptids what they are and the local significance that some of them have in their in their particular regions you wouldn't put the loch ness monster coming somewhere out of Italy, for, for example, that would not make logical sense.
1: Right, right.
0: Does that make... No, it does make good sense that you're doing that. Um, that the cryptids are these elusive uh, creatures. Yes, there have been um, reported sightings of them, yet when the scientists go to actually look for them or look for the evidence of them, and the reason, by definition, they remain in the category of cryptids because they can't find the evidence of the existence of the creature and only the sightings. But in the game itself, you have the cryptozoologists out there who are going and finding that evidence. Right. At a certain, at a certain point, do they, do they no longer be, are they no longer considered cryptids because they have found the evidence they've come out of that category of the unknown and come into the world
1: well right. it's, a, it's a good question right? but you know just people reporting of seeing something doesn't stop this creature from being encrypted so mm-hmm. yeah it's always on the border of uh is it still unknown or is it known and of course our game is a fantasy and uh yes we uh we just made it as logical as possible and uh just uh, in this game, you'll live in the universe where these mystical creatures exist because you're a cryptozoologist and you know what you're doing uh, and you take it seriously and you try to find as much as, uh, information as possible just to get the encrypted. Um, and more importantly, you want to put it in a safe place so you're building a wildlife sanctuary with your own hands. So you kind of uh, contribute to, to the well-being of the animals.
0: And that makes perfect sense because if we were to find in reality some of the some of these creatures, you would want to make every effort to preserve them. So the fact that you've incorporated that aspect into this game, I think, is you know, is, is was a really nice uh, nice incorporation um, of of a concept that that would actually play out in real life. It were that to, were that to happen, I think that was very forward thinking of you. Thank you. Did you did you discover? As you were as you were creating the game did you discover anything sort of new and unexpected along the way that became a revelation to you So
2: as i said first of all we discovered much more cryptids in general and so different types like mix of uh, animals and plants and uh, different locations uh, in location we've been and never heard or different tales and uh, connection to some tales or just three tales or or coming from some uh, mythological things Uh again as when we started investigating i was amazed how many books are there and how many people are dealing with this and different reports even in like last 20 30 years that people seen or experienced meeting these creatures and mm. it's still happening. So when in, you know, some recordings are coming from 12th, 13th century appearing in old French books or reports being happening in like 20th century in US and the 20th century. And all these things are, um, yeah, it was really interesting to, to discover all this stuff and to see that some of them were used for good you know some 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 cryptids behave, became as a as a good cryptid some of them used as us being you know make keeps being scared of doing something bad thing so there was different also targets of using cryptids cryptids in uh, as a as a as a creature itself so this was really interesting
1: just can add a little bit up to what strike strike us also a lot and also during the campaign which is running now how deeply the cryptids culture is rooted in the folklore and the local culture because as soon as people recognize some like we have uh, the city Aachen uh, in Germany it's uh, not far away from Dusseldorf maybe one and a half hours from where we are located and this city this is a very uh, city with a very old history and there is uh, there are a lot of universities and you know, like historical buildings etc and there is also a local cryptid called bakhouf and as soon as people mm. see this cryptid it's like you know the light in their eyes oh yes it's like you know feeling you are home or something related to your home so it really struck me how how unbelievably cryptids are strongly rooted in the you know very deepest understanding of what you call your local history or your home or the place where you are at so this was really really inspiring as well
0: no doubt about it and it's it's powerful it's a powerful emotion for for many people
3: and maybe even just to add a quick one on that one i also realized how much cryptids and stuff like this is still like all over the world just a general thing for, or just a normal thing for so many people. And we don't even notice it. Like, like, um, I knew a lot of these, um, creatures from stories, from games, from whatever, from books. Right. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, okay. That's where people discuss them. That's where people read about them. But then like do also doing research and other stuff. I like, like you, 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 you start to find, like pictures of them in, like, signs or anything when you go to the countries where they're coming from that are still used today. Like in Iceland, for example, there's this bear with a horn. Uh, Bjorn de is his name, I think, and it's, like, everywhere. It's, like, I I didn't (laughs) think that you can just just look pictures of, like, normal streets, and you sometimes find this bear. It's, like, it's still there, (laughs) and people maybe don't even know. Maybe Iceland people know. Probably.
0: I can I can tell you in the United States, especially in central parts of the United States, there will be signs or you know streets and, and it will have a Bigfoot on it,
2: mm. right? Yeah.
0: Because whatever because there was some sort of local Bigfoot sighting. So yes, the, the you sort of it sort of I, helps identify the the region in a sense and, and is part of that part of that local culture, no doubt about it. The um in in the game itself, we're going to start moving kind of into into your creation into your game. There were, uh, if I read correctly, 60 cryptids that are are, are contained with, within the game. And Alex, you were saying about, is, it's am I correct more. in so that? It's, it's it 76 with expansions. With, exp- with the expansion 76? Yes. Uh, and Alex, you were-
1: sorry, sorry. 67. <laughs> it's a German way to say uh, reverse. 67, oh. <laughs> 67 with expansions, but we have unlocked some stretch goals for now. So nice. there will be more.
0: And Alex, you were saying about how you were discovering, you know, just the, the, the kind of this overwhelming amount, how many of these um, uh, creatures are out there in the books and and in the resources. Did she, it sounds like you maybe had to narrow it down to this 60 or 70 creatures from a much larger, larger group. Did you, did you have any trouble kind of trying to fill up those 60 or 70 uh, card yes, positions so... in the game?
2: Um... The point is uh, the point is that we first of all we tried uh, as as we mentioned we try to so here's game balancing comes in, into play because our creatures creatures are creatures are split into different categories first of all we have creatures which are flying which are uh, in in the water and so on uh, uh, location of the creatures because we need to have a balance on the map uh, you know that people can travel over the map during a game. And, and you need equal number, more or less equal number of creatures in, the each, in each part of the map. And also, uh, as I mentioned, the type of the creatures, because they're split into different types, and once you build the sanctuary for that, you need to position each creature in the right, like if it's in a in forest or if it's in the water and so on. So, we do need to, uh, uh we, tr- we tried to keep it searching really by, by location. For example, south of Europe, north of Europe, west, east. And then you start to go deeper and deeper, filter them. They need to be, uh, uh, different, uh, uh, and so on. So, uh, uh yes. And that's how we started to get, uh, uh Cryptids, I would say, uh, onto the map. What we know, of course, we try to have some known cryptids that people get familiar. With what we're talking about, like Nessie Loch Ness, and we got into very like uncommon cryptids, which are there is a very limited information about them. But we still wanted to expose them to the people.
0: But it, uh, you did not have to create any cryptids totally from your own imagination. These are they were all pulled from sources or from from local local folklore absolutely
1: nothing we imagined ourselves
0: no
2: we don't have so good imagination uh, as people had in, 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 in you know in 300 <laughs> 400 years ago when they seen these creatures and imagine that they had no i mean we did not create even one all of them are listed in, listed in <laughs> official <laughs> listings or, or reflected in the books and so on so it's it's not uh, we are all uh, 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 yes, all of them can be found in the book, so nothing comes from us.
3: The stories of the Dark Ages wrote the best stories already. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so all the material was there; it's just you had to choose which ones fit the game best. Um, the artwork in the game—I uh, looked at it, and it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's tremendous, and, and and obviously, artwork is such a huge part of a game like this. Um, who were who were your artists and what lengths did they go through to make sure that the creatures came out as beautifully as they did?
2: Uh, so, we have an illustrator and also uh, it's uh, Schwenk. Uh, uh, Evgeny Schwenk. Yes. Evgeny, Evgeny Schwenk. And he's our illustrator. We are working on illustration since one year already. And it is still work in progress. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, still, we still did not comply. I mean, we still have some part to complete, but of course, majority are ready, but we still need to finish something. And the important part was also for us to show on a picture, not only uh, the cryptid itself, but also to try to tell a, a small story, you know, uh, 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 reflecting what this cryptid is about. It's not always we can do the, the full story, but we try to position them in a the location where they live. Uh, uh, to do, you know, if it's in in, in in mountains, in the sea, and so on, to show that it's gonna reflect the reality. If it's if it's North, it's island, it's ice, mm-hmm. and so on. So everything, each and every picture was discussed. We did a short description what the scripted is about, what his what he his, his like specialities, or you know what are his uh, uh, how he is built out of which creatures it's combined and so on so it's all being there was a deep dive on each cryptid and how we want to represent him
1: maybe just to give an example there is a scripted mara becca uh lives in sicily and parents usually uh tell their children mara becca is coming like to make them a little bit afraid and it lives in a well so like uh, in the earlier times when kids would take water, bring water from the well so that they don't deep too dive into the well, the, uh, there was a saying or it was said to live there, this Marabeka. So, And of course, we showed it in the picture. People can find it on the Kickstarter page. Marabeka looking out of the well so that, you know, to show a little bit of a background connected what just Alex said. Uh, connected to the story behind of this cryptid it makes, you know, it gives some action to the card, it gives some yes. motion to the card, although there is no motion
0: It does, in context to the to the story behind the cryptid itself yes.
1: which, and also which maybe is maybe Oh sorry, sorry, just, it was very important to mention the style of Evgeny Schwenk which is really naturalistic you know, it gives a very natural look and this is also part of the messaging of the game, like the cryptids being a part of the, the ecosystem, you know, it's not built it's not drawn in a fantasy like way and it's not sci-fi or something it's just just nature as it is and i think evgeny did a really great job
0: i like that yes as if the cryptid were actually discovered in reality this is most likely what it would what it would look like not as you said not in a fantasy setting and yeah i really i really like that point um the game uh, itself blends some really great mechanics some of my favorites worker placement among them and the terrain building aspect in which you're building sort of the nature preserve for the cryptids that have been found so since you originally conceived the game how much did these mechanics evolve over time did the game turn out pretty much as you envisioned it or did it turn out to kind of be something else totally different? Yes,
2: it's I mean, no. Let's say, let's say this way: the basic idea of traveling over the map and uh, uh, hunting or not hunting, or looking for cryptids or finding them—it uh, remains, of course. But the mechanics—it's uh, changed. I mean. We changed the game or is, I would not say change it, evolve many, I mean, for long periods. So the idea remains, but we added many different components. So we started with a, I would say the base, very simple mechanic, right? And then it was evolving. We added new components, new mechanics, new, new things, uh, uh, working on uh, upgrading your, your, your characters, uh, options for grading characters more. And, uh, You know, uh, we also have uh, some how it's called, kind of supporter or uh, like uh,
1: assistant, assistant,
2: assistant, assistant mechanic to bring more into the game. So we wanted to enrich the game to give more possibility, more replayability that people can. Because you know, when you start, usually you start with some basic, and you say, okay, but I want to have more strategy. I want to have more, 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 more capabilities for players to give to play one time with this strategy another time, with another strategy and so on. So to give real flexibility of uh, all, you know, during, during the game. So Christian as
0: the, as the lead play tester, how, how, how is your journey through, um, the, the development (laughs) or as Alex says, the evolution of the game itself?
3: yeah that was yeah i I agree it evolved at multiple stages at the time even like when we were already giving it out to uh larger groups of players who could play it um we were gathering people uh, in larger groups like multiple PlayStations next to each other. And even then mm. we still found things that we could evolve, that we could change. We got really nice feedback. We changed the order of or the turn orders, then we changed them back. We, <laughs> so we really wanted to make the game fluent, make sure that everybody has er- any uh, something to do, it's no sitting around. And yeah, everybody gets to catch a lot of those pretty cryptids. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. And yeah, and yes, the game has changed a lot from the very, very, very first time that I played it like on paper with little paper clips, (laughs) symbols (laughs) for things and stuff. So yeah, it was really nice to see, especially especially, also when the art was added, that was like the first wow for me. I mean, of course I felt the rules getting better and everything functioning more smoothly. But then at some point we also had the first art pieces in there just so we could see how it looks together and I was like oh oh, wow that's gonna be a really really good game <laughs> That's really mm-hmm. nice
1: <laughs> maybe you want to develop on the uh, initiative line because it has uh, changed several times in the course of the development Christian
3: yeah that has also changed like um um like in the game the round or the initiative in which the players play can change after each round depending on the actions the player take in the game uh that was added at some point um well like starting from a normal round based game to like this more flexible uh this flexible solution that you can also have influence on then we like i said the turn orders that we are not the turn orders but the um parts of your turn that you do of the things different phases of your turn that's the word um they also got flipped around which what was then very confusing with the also flipping turn order and stuff and yeah that was also. Awesome. but now finally <laughs> it's functional and you can easily see it Workout, and you it got stuff.
2: Yeah, the ba- yeah the balance thing is really you know because yeah. you, need to, you need to actually balance i would say need To balance between, we wanted to consider the length of the turn, right? You need to to see that it's not too long, but you also need to see that it's uh, that people are able to do during the turn things. So, the balancing thing was really heavy stuff, but yeah, I think we managed it. Yeah,
3: and finally, we have like all these little things that you are allowed to worry about, you know, and things mm-hmm. can even change upon your player, uh, your opponents doing stuff, even small things like. Again, the initiative line, if your opponent decides to climb up on it, it can maybe change your turn a little bit because now he, is, he has his turn before you. Now you have to decide if you actually want that or if you are afraid that your little unicorn polar bear is suddenly then in his hands. You know, so you maybe it, have to it, restructure. Yeah, you can't
0: underestimate the importance of turn order and how that changes through, throughout the game. It's such it, it, important in so many board games. Yeah. Who, who came up with the magnetic board Because uh, props to whomever did that. That's uh, <laughs> that, that was a really really great idea, and I would like to see that more in other board games. It's me. Good. Yay.
1: You have the <laughs> yeah. right person here. <laughs> uh, uh, that
3: that came up during testing, and he had the idea, and it was it is wonderful. I love it as well.
2: I think um, it's
1: aha moment. But,
2: uh, <laughs> but, but uh, I mean, we did not know if it's possible. Uh, uh, we just say it would be nice, and then. I'm actually managing also the production and uh, talking to production companies. So I started to check if we can have it.
0: Uh, because yeah. you have to make cost considerations for that as well. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Ob- yes. obviously okay. And it was nice that apparently you've been able to build it into into the cost structure of, of, of right. the entire game. Yes.
3: But we are also all bought, uh, um, bought game players as well. So. Mm-hmm. And when we saw that, like the sanctuary building was a little bit like, I mean, it it can be a little bit unsatisfying if somebody is like reaching for his drink and then the whole sanctuary collapses. Mm. So we really thought about making things uh, really enjoyable because we know what we would enjoy. So yeah, there you go. Great idea, and we were happy. It was a great idea,
0: a great idea. How is the Kickstarter going overall? Let's talk a little bit about that. Tatiana, do you want to talk about
1: that? Yes, for now I can't complain really like we have 40 uh, yeah, it's almost exact 48 hours. So, well, it's at 170k at the moment. We've been unlocking stretch goals and uh it's really going well. Uh we just hope it go, goes on like this that the you know the reaction goes more or less viral that people learn about our game. So, uh for now I can't be happier but ask me in 10 days again. <laughs> mhm.
0: And the Kickstarter is going to continue through uh, February 24. Right. So for everybody listening, reading, hearing this, please uh, take a look at Cryptic Nature over at Kickstarter. Very easy to find. Beautiful videos, beautiful artwork, and everything is there for you to see. I'd like to... First, and thank you all for joining me on this interview. But a final question for you. When will the backers, do you think, be able to start uh, receiving copies of the game?
2: So our aim is to to have everything being shipped before uh, the Essen Fair. That's the biggest uh, board game fair in Europe and mm-hmm. uh, the world, actually. So uh, we do like to have it before that. So our plan is in October.
1: October 24, yeah.
0: October 24, so this so this year, that, yeah, yeah, that's exciting. We're not gonna have to wait a few years to, no, to no, ultimately no, 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 get no, no. The, the game.
2: I mean, it's not our first project, uh, Kickstarter. We, we have not done board games, we have done other things, but we definitely don't want to work on fulfillment and doing this. First of all, people get frustrated. I think in some cases it should
0: wait long and
2: we do really hope that we can fulfill it as as planned.
0: Well, again, the name of the game is called Cryptic Nature and Alex, Chris, Tatiana, Hofer, and Christian Schmitz, thank you so much for being with me on Which Game First, a board game podcast. Congratulations on your game and we look forward to playing it and reviewing it later on this year.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having <laughs> Thank us. You for Thank having you so us. much. Thank you very
0: much. <laughs>